Nothing reeks worse than a sopping wet Sasquatch. It was mid-November, and the sky looked dark enough to hold a grudge against the dirt for a very long time. It had rained down sleet all morning long, and I was sogged straight through to the bone. The wind was blowing in hard from the Rockies, and I was not happy at all to be standing here in the Eagle Pass, staring at a large shed-encased mural by the side of the Canadian Pacific Railway at a point in the landscape that men called Craigalachie. I don't really know who painted the mural, but there was a good strength showing in his brushstroke. He had made a sound choice in his colors as well. The hopeful blue skyline blended nicely with the heavy umber figures. The shed that covered the mural was about nine feet high, and it was almost tall enough for me to stand beneath. Almost. There was a story in the mural, and stories were something that I understood. You see, that is what I am. I was a living story something that people told around lonely smoking campfires. I was a Sasquatch, a nine-foot-tall shag carpet with a serious bad attitude. I was a legend, and a rural myth, and a totally unsubstantiated rumor. Like I said, just a story. Only stories, if told well and often enough, in time grow a life of their own. I can't really explain to you how it happens. It's not as if I came into this world with a user's guide. All that I can tell you is that the Sasquatch have been told into life since back in the days of the Mesopotamia storytellers, who spoke in hushed whispers of the exploits of Enkidu and Gilgamesh. And so long as your people continued to tell stories about random hirsute giants growing up in the wilderness, and sometimes being raised by wolves or African great apes, then we will continue to live on in the borderlands that haze and drift warily between the carefully demarcated lines that claim to separate the cold steel facts of reality from the warm, pure smoke of your collective imagination. So, were you there? I asked. I was there, the ghost of Sam Steele replied. I don't see you in the picture, I said. I was there, Sam repeated. Take my word for it. Maybe you weren't so ugly back then, I offered. Maybe I just don't recognize you. I was there, Sam Steele's ghost echoed for the third time. I just wasn't in the picture is all. Sam was a story, too. The real Sam Steele had died back in 1919, after fighting with the Fenians, chasing Louis Riel during the Red River Rebellion, meeting in a sit-down wiki-up with the great Sitting Bull himself, single-handedly taming the Klondike, and fighting a half a thousand Boers over in Boerland. Not all of that is true, you understand, but the gist of it is. Sam's actual exploits had grown to near-mythic status, he had achieved a kind of sordid, low-rent immortality thanks to a multitude of novels and newspaper articles and a movie or two and campfire tales and once even a CBC Minute vignette commercial. Hell, they'd even named a mountain after him. That's one more way that a story can be born. After Sam's adventures had been told and retold and exaggerated upon, his legend had slowly taken form, and his ghost rose up and eventually assumed control of the spiritual operations branch— known as the SOBs, a semi-official paramystical working division of the Canadian Royal Mounted Police, which made Sam my boss. So if he wanted to stand out here in the middle of November staring at a mural depicting one of the iconic climaxes of the North American Industrial Revolution, then I was duty-bound to stand here with him. Only it didn't mean I had to like it, was all. I focused on staring at the mural. I had seen the photograph. Most Canadians had. It depicted a cluster of men, 
solemn and sober-looking, high-hatted and well-fed. Men, leaning like lonely crows over a hammer and a pair of dark iron rails. Each of them stood there on the mural, bearded and mustached with enough facial follicle foliage to successfully carpet a fully grown woolly mammoth. I would have fit right in. If I'd been there, I said to Sam Steele, I for sure would have made certain to show up for picture-taking day. You leave your mouth open as often as you do, Sam pointed out, and you're going to catch yourself a cold in your tonsils. There was a sign above the mural that told the whole story in a simple, straightforward fashion. The Driving of the Last Spike, Canadian Pacific Railway, Craigalachi, British Columbia, November 7, 1885. The same day as today, 127 years ago.